0: Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe.
1: Good evening, hub. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Good to see you all. Quickly introduce myself. Not many of you know me. My name is Zach. Like always, I'm Jesse Webb's husband, and it's my favorite thing. Everyone knows her. I almost said Jesse Smith. Wow, that was weird. Pastor Jess's Jesse's husband. Get to be a part of the Hub team, and I'm excited to get to be here with you. And we're continuing our series on Galatians, where Greg kicked us off last week talking about the one true gospel, the gospel that we are saved by salvation through faith and not by the law. And we're continuing that today, although today is a bit of a topical Sunday. Worldwide, the second Sunday of November, we recognize Orphan Sunday. This is an initiative that was started by a church quite close by in Botswana, where we take time out of our, in our lives, and we should do this more often, to recognize the orphan and the poor, but also to talk about the orphan spirit and God the Father. And we're continuing with that today. So we're staying in the Galatians series, but we're doing a bit of a topical Sunday. So we're going to jump around a little bit. And if you're in the services this morning, you would have heard my father talk about this and, and jump into the orphan spirit. We're going to do it a bit differently, so I would like you all to go and watch that. It's a totally different sermon, and it would, you'd really get so much out of it. But let's open in prayer. Father God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for the blessing of getting to be here, getting, blessing of getting to be in community. I pray that you bless tonight, bless every word, bless everyone here. I pray that your spirit touches them and speaks to them in your holy name. Amen. Wonderful. So, Galatians. We're kicking off Galatians and continuing Galatians, and we're talking true religion. Now, it turns out religion is quite contentious in many areas, at least the definition. Um, You know, in spiritual studies and theology, the definition of religion is quite difficult. And so I found a few, but they all go along the lines of something. Great. They all go along the lines. How do I turn it on? <laughs> <this>. Thanks, love. Next slide would be great. Um, <laughs> lovely. Religion. A system of attitudes and beliefs and practices. Or the service and worship of God or the supernatural. Or commitment or devotion. These are some of the definitions. I probably found at least 20. But just so that we're all on the same page, when I use the word religion, I'm speaking about the practices that demonstrate our devotion to Christ. All definitions of religion have something around acts or services or practices, but we're talking about our devotion to Christ. So that said, I went onto Google and I typed in things Christians do, because I thought it'd be fun to see. Um, and so we're doing the religious ometer. And I hope you can all take count. If you get 10 out of 10, there is a problem. Hopefully, five. Um, yeah. Not everything on this list is good, but I thought it was hilarious. So another quick disclaimer: don't get everything on this list. If you do, please talk. Number one, you have a scripture or a cross emoji in your WhatsApp status. <laughs> yes, you don't have to put your hand up. That's okay. Number two, you use a journal or a diary that has a Bible verse on it. Every there we are one two three many many. Similar, Greg spoke about this last week. You read the U version verse of the day. And you go, done. I did it. Who's done that? Yeah, highlight it, maybe. Woo! Yes, we did our religious ability. Three, ask someone out by asking to get a coffee or if you can go to the connect group. <laughs> we done that one. Have a Christian phrase or scripture on your computer or phone wallpaper. Yep, my wife, there we are. This next one, my wife told me not to put in here, but I laughed, so I had to put it in. Um, rather than asking God for new shoes, you steal them, and instead you ask for forgiveness, because you know how the Bible works. <laughs> yeah, zealous, right? <laughs> this is what Google says Christians do. <laughs> Number seven, have a Jesus or Bible tattoo. They're cool, scared of needles, so no, yep. Have jewelry with a cross on it, necklace, bracelet. I have a ring with a cross on it. I'm a good Christian, thank you. (laughs) Number nine, have a really well-used or beat-up Bible. (laughs) Oh, and I love it, eh? It's been to war, yes. Number 10, you try and buy a child's ticket to Gold Reef City because you're a child of God. (laughs) All the jokes aside, we're talking about religion (laughs) and not that type of religion. If you have ten out of ten, please talk to one of us. (laughs) Mainly the shoes thing. (laughs) But if you read the book of Galatians, and the theme for the series is we are saved by salvation through faith and not by works. And that is the theme of Galatians, which is why it's the theme of this series called Galatians. And if you read Galatians, Paul so clearly paints a picture of like religion versus relationship, or laws versus faith, or crucifixion versus circumcision. Or Jesus versus rules. Or as Greg said last week, bacon versus no bacon. You know, no one else got that revelation last week. Woo! Hallelujah. Um, but you clearly see this divide. And Paul so clearly wants to talk about this. He talks. Oh, wrong way. Galatians 2 verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. If we could get our salvation through works through religion, then Christ died for nothing. So we rely solely on the grace of God in everything that we do. And so there's this clear line, but today I've titled this true religion because there is a religion that the Bible calls true and good and pure, faultless and undefiled. And what is that? we jump into James 1.27, where religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is true religion. This is what we're looking at. And there's many groups. There is, yes, the orphan and the widow, but if you go through the Bible, there's many groups. And so in this church, there's come a phrase, my dad christened it, we call it the Big Five. The orphan, the widow, the poor, the refugee the foreigner in the land, and those who suffer injustice. These are groups that the Bible tells us it is pure and faultless religion to care for these groups. That we're not just to care about them. We're not just supposed to, like, think good things about them. We're supposed to go out of our way and sell our possessions and give everything we can to take care of these groups. (laughs) That is what the Bible tells us. There are such strong scriptures about carrying these truths and the wrath of God for those who don't, that this is pure religion. How do we demonstrate our devotion to Christ? caring for these groups. We don't receive our salvation by caring for these groups, but we demonstrate our devotion to God. Galatians 2, verse 9 to 10 is our main verse for today. James, Cephas, who known as Peter, and John, those esteemed as pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. This is Paul writing. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews, All that they asked is that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do all along. James, Cephas, and Peter sat at the feet of Jesus. They are pillars of the church. And when they reviewed Paul's ministry, all they had to say was, go to the Gentiles, we'll go to the Jews, but don't forget the poor. That's God's heart. If we do all that, we forget the poor. We're missing so much of what God cared about. They walked with him. They saw Jesus do his ministry. They saw that he never forgot the poor. He never forgot those in need. He always had a heart for those. And so, there is a foundational aspect we need to t- touch on. Well, mainly, I'm going to quickly read this, when we live our lives out of the salvation that we have received through faith, then our religion is not to forget those in needs. These are separate. Religion is often, you know, in the modern day, replaced what our salvation is, or replaced grace. But the word religion is just how we show our devotion to Christ. So the first main point we need to talk about is clear this up. Our works do not save us. Our works do not. Because I'm talking about caring for people. I'm talking about caring for doing good works, caring for the poor, the orphan, the widow, the foreigner. But our works don't save us. So Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But please open up your Bibles and read along. Jesus just flipped the, temp- the tables in the temple, called them, you snakes, you brood of vipers, goes out, is angry, on the Mount of Olives, starts preaching, starts talking about the kingdom, talks about the parable of the ten virgins, starts talking about the kingdom. Near the end, he comes to a parable called the sheep and the goats. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 31, where it says, at the end of the age, the, end of the, age, the Son of Man will come, and he will divide the sheep to his right and the goats to his left, or right and left, however you see it. Um, And he will say to the sheep, Come to me, you who are blessed by my Father, and take part in the inheritance that has been prepared for you since the beginning of the age. For when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was a stranger, you let me in. When I was sick, you looked after me. And when I was a foreigner, you let me in. And they will say to Jesus, When did we see you and do this to you? And he will say, What you did for the least of these brothers of mine you did to me. And then he looks at the goats, And he says, flee from me, those of you who have done evil. Go into the pit of fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For you did not give me something to drink when I was thirsty. You did not feed me when I was hungry. You did not let me in when I was a stranger. You did not care for me when I was sick. And you did not visit me when I was a prisoner. And they will go. This is a harsh parable. Especially if I'm saying, our good works don't save us. Because it's so easy to be like, good, if I just care for those in need, then I'm good. I'm in. I'm in. But this parable shows the heart of God. Very clearly shows God has a heart for these groups. Go read any of the parables about those who suffer injustice. See God's wrath. See how God views this sort of injustice. In Foundations today, we've got to talk a little bit about God is a just God. And that He is just. Yes, He's merciful. Yes, He's gracious. But He loves justice. And He is angry to see injustice. And He wants to see this. But also, Matthew 25, a couple chapters earlier, what did he say? Matthew 7. They will say to me, Lord, Lord, but we did all these great works in your name. And he will say, I did not know you. Flee from me, you evildoers. Sounds very similar to the goats. Go away from me, those of you. This is the heart of God. that we are not saved by our works. But if we're not saved by our works, then why do I care for those in need? if my works don't do it 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3 says if I give all possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love then I gain nothing love why? why do we care for those in need if it doesn't save us? because of love the love we've received from God the love that we're supposed to have we're supposed to be continually renewing our minds becoming like Christ and as a result our love will pour out Something in common with all the, the big five and groups we're supposed to care after is you'll probably never get anything in return. Often never. And this is the economy of God. This is the opposite of an investment. We're not looking to make a down payment, one day this person will get me back, no. Caring for the orphan, the poor, the widow, the foreigner, the refugee requires you to give, and give again, and give again, and tomorrow, give again, and Thursday, give again. Next week, Sunday, come back to church, get told to keep giving, to give, to give. And how do we do that? Out of our own ways. Because truthfully, our natural defense to seeing injustice is we harden our hearts. And so if we don't give, 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 you know, or if we just continue to give, 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 we're just going to get burnt out out of the love we have received from Christ, as we continue to pull on God, as we continue to have new revelation of His love for us, of what His cross, of what He did for us, then it is just worship and glory to get to give for Him. It is such a blessing to get to pour out what He gave us for others. There's a hardening of the heart that we have to be careful of. Um, The natural inclination for any of us when we see difficulty, especially continually, is to become used to it. Is to go. Oh well, you know, it's difficult out there. Um, is to to be able to drive by and forget about it hundred meters later, or just continue walking. But the the Bible has some serious, serious repercussions for that. Romans two verse five says, "Those of you who have hardened your hearts have built up wrath for you in the day of judgment." This is the Bible. And it's difficult for me to do a sermon on caring for others and not see the difficulty and the anger of God when you see justice. God wants justice, and He is a just God. And so as a result, we have to practice softening our hearts. We have to practice coming back to God. God, you know, I want to care. I don't want to just drive by. I want to have my heart hurting, which is a difficult thing to pray for. I'm encouraged by my wife often. We'll travel together, I mean, in many ways, but this way specifically. <laughs> She's great. Um, we'll travel together, and we'll see someone begging for something, and we'll look in the car, there's no money, there's no food, there's no clothes, and we'll look him in the eye and apologize that we can't give them anything. We'll drive down the road, and I'll forget about it, because we live in Joburg, and there's a lot of need. Um, My wife will come home, and she'll be like, this is not okay. We need to find something. We need to go draw money get cash. We need to buy little takeaway containers, so we can always have food with us. We need to put all our extra clothes into the car. We cannot go out there, see injustice, and drive by and not feel it. But the thing is, it's not comfortable for her. You know, I can forget about it after a couple hundred meters. Her heart hurts. Hurts all the way home, hurts at home, hurts for hours. God has softened her heart. She's laughing because she th- she's being humble, but you're great, love. <laughs> <laughs> this is what a soft heart looks like. And then the natural course of time and the world, we're going to want to harden our hearts again so that we don't hurt anymore. And we're going to be like, no, you know, it's hard. <laughs> but then God says, you store breath for yourself on the day of judgment, because that is not the heart of God. So if our works don't save us, then why? Because of the love, God's love, the love we've received. How? This is more of a practical question. With what you have. Um, John, John, Peter, Peter, James, James, John, went to the temple. What, what two of them? Um, I can't remember right now. Went to the temple, saw the crippled beggar, did not have anything to give him, but what they had, they gave him, and his life was changed. Deuteronomy 25, do not go over your field twice, but leave something for the orphan and the widow. Not many of us are farmers. What's your field? Your paycheck, your sustenance, your possessions, your skills, your abilities. Don't go over it twice because there's something God's given you and me that is not for you. It's not for you. It is for someone else. And he loves giving. God knows it's more blessed to give than receive. God wants you to give. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to bless people. So he's giving you extra money time, skills, talents, abilities, possessions. There's something you have that's not for you. And when you hold on to it, you're building up wrath for yourself in the day of judgment. Because that is God's heart, is to give. And he wants to partner with you. I think how happy we make God when we combine our faith and our love to bless someone. I mean, come on. That's like God's like up there cheering. Woo! Yes! Finally! <laughs> it's happening! That's God's passion. <laughs> Sorry, I love to scream too loud. <laughs> we all should be doing this. We should be doing this in our own communities, our own families, our own jobs, our own workplaces. But just to quickly give you an idea of what we do as a church, you heard about Mali Bongwe, and this is an amazing program. We at the church have a couple social outreaches under the, he- the African Havens and the Every Nation Joburg Foundation. I just want you to know about what we do as a church if you want to get involved. Um, We have the baby and child havens. These are homes where we take care of kids across the city. We have six right now, one in Port Elizabeth, one in Botswana, more coming. Um, We take care of kids. We have homes, full-time care. We have the Crisis Response Team and the Ayanda Fund, which are projects designed just to respond to difficult moments, to lost families, to lost loved ones, um, and to communities. Mobile Wellness Center started up this year. We have a team of medical professionals who go out every week to the same places and meet with people, treat them, educate them, and pray for them, and cover them. Home base and the work base, we take young people, and we help launch them into the world. We help give them education and bring them into jobs, give them the, the startup they need to get into life. We heard about Malibongwe, where we're caring for single mothers and giving them skills and helping them find jobs and create businesses. Tandanani is a project that reaches out to the very men in this community, discipling them. We want to bring them into this house. And that's Tandanani. Transformation Friededorp is an after-school program where we do after-school education. We do connect groups with young kids. We do a youth on Friday nights. These are some of the projects and more that we run here at the church, a part of Every Nation Johannesburg. If you'd like to be a part of it, Please get in contact with me or email the church. Email volunteers at AfricanHavens.org. And I just want you to be aware of this. I know there's many new members here who might not have heard all the things we try to do as a community. If you want to be a part, please do. But there's one thing I want to reiterate. Um, how do I do it? Before these projects have been going on for a long time, about 20 years easily, a bit more, um, and they rely solely on the provision of God. I get to know, I do work at these projects, and for 20 years, month in, month out, week in, day to day, God has provided, and He does. But what we need to understand is that never once, and I've looked at all the bank statements, never once has money come straight from heaven. Never. <laughs> it comes from someone. <laughs> Often sitting here, or in another church, or in Cape Town. I'm not saying this is your job to fund these. I'm saying God has given you something that's not for you. I'm saying there's something you have, a skill, an ability, a talent, a possession, that God wants you to be blessed by giving it away. He wants to see your heart. He wants to see your faith. He wants to be pleased by you, and He's already provided you with what you need. And from there, you build. 20 years, we have been able to care for people. And God always provides. And He could. He could rain down manna just add some extra zeros to the bank account and we'd be great. Um, but never. God wants to partner with you, he wants to partner with us. That's why He's given you something in your field that's not for you. Leave it behind. I used to love the days of when we had cash because it was such easy to practice this principle. You go to the grocery store, buy 90 rand of groceries, you get change. That's not for you, probably. Um, you know, I, I used to practice that a lot. It's harder with my card now because I get exact amounts. But find practices in your life where you make sure that you're not squeezing every cent out of your bank account for you. Not squeezing everything you have for you. You know, extending the life of everything you have because I don't want to let go. Be it out of fear, be it out of hurt, be it out of whatever, distrust in God, don't do that. Build practices where we get to give and give more. Greg mentioned last week... uh, Paul was a tool used by God, and that we are all tools meant to be used by God. And made me think of Timothy 2, Timothy 2, verse 21. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for a special purpose, made holy and useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. When they're talking about the latter, they're talking about sexual immorality, uh, debauchery, a lot of different things Paul was addressing in his letter to Timothy. But those of us who cleanse ourselves from that will be instruments for special purposes. Many versions use the word tool for special purposes, useful by the master. And so there's a book called On the Anvil by Max Lucado that I want to read a short piece out of. In the shop of a blacksmith, there are three types of tools. There are tools on the junk pile. They are outdated. They are broken, dull, and rusty. They sit in the cobweb corner, Useless to their master, oblivious to their calling. Lives are broken, talents are wasted. Fires have quenched dreams and purpose has been missed. They are tossed in with the scrap iron, in desperate need of repair, with no notion of purpose. Secondly, there are tools that are on the anvil, where things are melted, pounded, moldable and changeable. They lie on the anvil being shaped by their master, accepting their calling, hearts open and hungry to change. Wounds are still healing, but vision is clearing. They welcome the painful pounding of the blacksmith's hammer, longing to be rebuilt, and begging to be called. And finally, their tools of usefulness, sharpened, primed, defined, and mobile, they lie ready in the blacksmith's tool chest, available to their master, fulfilling their calling. Others lie in the master's hands, well tuned, non-compromising, and productive. They respond to the master's forearm. They demand nothing, and they surrender everything. I'm sure, we can all easily find ourselves in many of the categories, or at least one. Could be on the junk pile, oh, with a hard heart. You know, we're all tools made to be used by God, but man, I don't care. <laughs> um, I accept the salvation I've received through faith, but I don't care. Um, And that's difficult because you've stored up wrath for yourself in the day of judgment. And clearly there's a part of God's heart you are missing and we're not seeing, if that's us. We need purpose. God wants to use us, but instead we sit on the pile, resting, getting old with the scrap iron with no purpose. Or I think most of us find ourselves on the anvil, where things are pounded, where things are heated up, where things are, are hurt and get bent into shape by the master. It's a painful thing. Having a soft heart hurts. It's painful. It's not fun. Um, We're called to do it, and it's God's heart. But man, it hurts. It's much easier to have a hard heart. It's so easy. It's what the world wants us to do. It's what the devil wants us to do. But yet again, whenever we find our hearts getting hard, we go back to God and say, God, please soften my heart. Please give me the heart I need. You've told me, and I know that this is your heart, but I just can't, can't find it. <laughs> help me. Help me. And then don't, don't you find it weird when God starts to do it, because it will happen. <laughs> but I'm sure we all want to be a tool of purpose. You know, There's a tool that someone goes to. I use tools a lot. There's a tool that we go to that's, if I need to get something done, I can do it. Where, God, I want to surrender everything, and I want you to use me. I'm reminded of a story of my father's. I wasn't planning on saying this, but nothing to do with caring for the orphan. Because if you know my father, his name's Pastor David Webb, and he runs our social responsibility outreaches here. He has always had a heart for the orphan, for the poor, for the foreigner, for the refugee, for the sick. But what he hasn't had a heart for is the student, which those of you who know every nation, we're a campus ministry mainly, <laughs> which is not a great thing to be like, man, I'm in this church, but I really don't like students, and it's full of students. <laughs> And so there's one Sunday, and he's told me this story many times, where he's in the sermon hearing, like, we, we need to reach the next generation, we need to go to the students, and he's there thinking, man, I don't want to do that. I That is not for me. And so he prays, God, please give me a heart for the student. Give me a heart for young people, because really, all I see is they're sort of annoying, and they're dumb, and they yeah. make stupid decisions. <laughs> and so he goes up to the altar and lies there and waits for God to do something, and nothing happens, and they... Eventually, he gets asked to leave because they're packing up. Um, yeah, and then three days later, he gets a call from the senior pastor who says, "Will you run our campus ministry? <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't like students. <laughs> but instead, he goes, yes, I will. And as he walks on the campus, he starts seeing students and going, wow, they need Jesus. <laughs> they really need Jesus. <laughs> they, they need him so bad. God has touched his heart. Now you might have a heart for students, but you don't have a heart for the poor or the orphan or the widow. And you know it's God's heart. But you need to act on it. You need to ask for it. You need to come to the altar and wait until God gives it to you because that is God's heart. I work with tools a lot. I brought one of my favorites. It's this one. Nothing special. Um, I have many though. I have in like my garage, my car, my workshop, my desk, my office. Everything has a tool in many places. Um, But this is my favorite pair of pliers. Those of you who can't see it, it's rusty. It's, I dropped it off of a ladder many times, so it's dented. I sprayed it with spray paint. I've messed it around. But it's smooth, and it's familiar. It's comfortable in my hand. I know this one. When I want to do work, I look for these. Sometimes I have to use the other ones, but this is the one I go to. This is like, I can do something with this. This is what we want to be to God. Sometimes we get used, and that's not necessarily comfortable, We get dinged up. We get banged. We have to sacrifice. We have to give everything, demand nothing. But that's what we want to do. But at the end of the age, God will say, come to me, you who are blessed by my Father. Take part in the inheritance that has been prepared for you since the beginning of the age. Come to me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Aren't those the words we want to hear? I want to hear those words. I want to please my Father. Not that Father, him too, but the real Father. Um, (laughs) Love you, Dad. Um, Those are the words we want to hear. Those are the words that we want to to represent our lives. And we have to be used. Have to have a soft heart. Have to be willing to be used. Have to look to be used. And know that God's already provided something that isn't for you. He's given you something just so that you can bless someone. (laughs) It might be time. It might be abilities. It might be some spare shirts. It might be... uh, You have a special skill. It might be money. But whatever it is, it might be a listening ear. God wants you to bless someone. And he's excited for you to do it. He's waiting. He wants to see it. He's not going to give you more until you've done it. And that's God. And to wrap up, I just find it so profound that when James, Peter, and John, they went to go meet Paul and Barnabas. Now remember, Paul persecuted the church previously. So they might, and they were pillars of the church. They were disciples of Jesus. They were going to meet him, and they could have been pretty worried. Like, is this a cult? Is this like, you know, is he going to trap us? Is, what's happening here? They go to meet him, and Galatians 2 verse 9 says, they found no fault in him, and they saw the grace given to him. And they agreed that he must go to the Jews, they go to the Gentiles, just as they go to the Jews. They found no fault in his ministry. They agreed, you are called to the Gentiles. But the only thing they could tell him from those who sat at the feet of Jesus was don't forget the poor. Because if you miss missed that, you've missed God's heart. <laughs> go to the Gentiles. Preach the salvation we have received by faith. Live it out. Share it with others. But do not forget the poor. Because if you do, you've missed something from God. And that is a big mistake. So church, in a moment we're going to pray about our hearts. But when you go, think about where you go. You go home tonight. You go to work tomorrow. You go to your family on the weekend. You go see friends. You get a new promotion. You go to a new city. You change the world. You take steps forward. You take steps back. Whatever you're doing, we're all going to do wonderful things with what God has, more than I can even imagine. But as you go, don't forget the poor. You've missed God's heart, if you have. and You've stored up so much wrath for you, and you've missed so much blessing. So much blessing blessing for you, your family, your children, your children's children. Get God's heart. God's heart is for the big five. God's heart is for those in need, and we need to share that same heart. Church, we're going to close up and close our eyes. Um, if you feel like you need a God's heart... Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like, wow, my heart is pretty hard, (laughs) I find it very easy to ignore what God's saying. Um, We're going to pray that he gives you his heart, and he wants to. You're going to have to act on it, but I just want you to, I don't want you to stand up or put up a hand or come to the front. I really just want you to have a conversation with God, where you say, Lord, give me your heart. Send me to the poor, the orphan, and the widow.
0: I'm going
1: to give you a moment to speak with God. us your heart I pray dad that every one of us that we can be used by you we know you've already given us everything we need we pray for your heart that we will go out of our way to find those who need your blessing and be that blessing I pray everyone in here who who has a hard heart who has a difficulty feeling (laughs) your heart for people. You touch them. Touch them now in the days to come that as as they walk out of here that you bless them with your heart. And when they begin to feel the pain of others, they don't shy away from it. But out of the love you've received them, pour out. Pour out what you've given. Bless us. Care for us.
0: Lord, we just pray for where we have been hurt, Lord God, in being generous, where we've been dinged, (laughs) where our sacrifice um, it felt hurtful in how things went, Lord God. We don't want to be people that base our generosity on how it is received. We base it on how you are, how good you are to us, Lord God. And in the same way that your love is so unending, may we be unending in our love, in our generosity, in our goodness to others, Lord God. So Father, where we have been hurt, we choose not to be defined by that. We choose not to protect ourselves from it, Lord God. But like Zach was saying, to be used by you, to be the tool that sacrifices everything. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you will always have enough for us, Lord God.